Hey everyone, I'm Alfred Edmund Jr., Senior Vice President and Executive Editor at Large at Black Enterprise. Welcome to the latest edition of Chasing Success. I've been looking to the, forward to this conversation because it's really going to showcase the things that Black Enterprise is about, showcasing Black excellence in corporate America and wealth creation for Black people. So this is really going to be a great conversation. Welcome to this conversation, Barry Simmons, Managing Director for Wealth Management in the East Division of J.P. Morgan Chase Bank. Uh, uh, just, uh, man, I'm overwhelmed to some degree, oversees 1,400 financial advisors in nearly 1,500 branches and in charge of the whole eastern part of the United States. Welcome to the show, Barry. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Alfred. It's absolutely uh, a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to our dialogue today. So you, you assumed this current role in July, I mean, right in the middle of everything that we're going, going through right now as a nation, as a world, as a global pandemic. Um, what does it mean to you? You've been in, in Chase for a long time, in leadership roles in a long time, but what does it mean to be one of three people who's, who's overseeing th this um, area of, of, of Chase Wealth Management? Listen, it, it really is special. I understand the importance of this job, the opportunity, the significance to impact so many people across J.P. Morgan Chase, as you talked about, uh, the thousand uh, plus people that I have the fortune to, to lead. I understand and take that responsibility very seriously. But one of the best pieces about this job is I actually think wealth management and the job that uh, I'm in right now, it's a noble profession because we are helping people. We are helping clients. We're giving them the ability to create wealth creation. Uh, and that way they can hopefully can create generational wealth and better their families. And there's nothing better than helping people make the most of their money so they can make the most of their, their lives. And everyone on our team truly believes that. And I think JP Morgan Chase, as a, one of the leading companies in the world, has a great reputation and ability to build relationships in order to allow that to happen. You know, I sense just from um, everything I've learned about you so far that this is, yes, it's a career, it's a profession, but there's a sense of mission that you seem to bring to what you're doing. I know you're um, co-chair of J.P. Morgan Chase's Black Executive Leadership Forum. You're a big supporter of the Advancing Black Pathways program that our audience knows a lot about through Black Enterprise. Talk about that sense of, yeah, professionalism, you have career goals, you have career ambition, but also a sense of mission and service that, that permeates, that I, th I don't think everybody thinks about all the time when they talk about financial professionals um, and what they do for a living. Yeah, listen, I, uh, I, I understand and appreciate that I'm very fortunate, but I absolutely am committed to making sure that I pay that forward. And, you know, my success is only really gratifying as I see others follow in the same path and have great success as well. As you mentioned, I'm the co-chair of our Black Executive Forum, which is all the managing directors, Black managing directors that are national and international within the company. Uh, and we're focused on making sure that we're developing and increasing our Black talent because there's so much opportunity. And I personally find it um, a responsibility of mine to make sure that I'm a part of that progress that we have to make. We have a lot of work to do. We have a long way to go. But leveraging my platform, leveraging the ability and the opportunities that I've had to be able to pass those experiences on to others to help people grow, I feel that I'm doing my part. And that's something that I wanna make sure that that spreads because it can't just be one or two people that are trying to drive this change and move things forward. It really does have to be a collective group. And that's one of the things I'm proud of that JP Morgan Chase would even have a forum like that. And I'm very fortunate to lead, lead that 
that allows the black community to come together to help others, but then also to educate, Alfred, mm -hmm. educate those that are not in the black community. So when we talk about this forum, we have access to our senior leaders across the firm and introducing them to talent externally and internally and talking about real issues. We all know this year was very challenging with a lot of the social unrest. We had real conversations, what was happening at dinner tables of blacks, but also the conversations that were happening at the dinner tables of non-blacks and how can we work together to try and change this really world human race for, for the better. And you know, I, I do find a personal passion in, in driving that forward as well. You know, you're a living representation of, 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 again, the people we try to cover at Black Enterprise that understands that your know, first Black is not an achievement, it's an assignment. It's, 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 some, it's telling you that there's some work that you, you're in a position to do. And I'm really um, happy to see that, um, that it is a passion of yours. In, ad in addition to, obviously, you have your own career ambitions that you should be pursuing. But let's jump right into the challenges of the past year. And, and I'm going to really hit on something that, that was hitting, I think, many of us over the past year. On the one hand, you have the economic fallout, obviously the health disparities, that the, the, the loss of life the, that nobody expected, nobody could prepare for a global pandemic that has impacted our country and the world in, in, in ways that no one could have anticipated. And obviously there's economic financial fallout that we all have to deal with. On the flip side, the stock market broke yet another record hitting 30,000 for the first time. And, and so you have this on the one hand, if you're an investor, and, and we want to talk about in this conversation the importance of being an investor in good times or bad times, um, you're suffering like everyone else, but then there's a kind of an upside because you are an investor. But if you're a non-investor, you may suffer the downside of the economic fallout, in this case, the pandemic before that, the Great Recession before that, the crisis before that. But when the economy recovers, if you're not invested, then you may not have enjoyed I mean, the last recovery was called a jobless recovery. There was a recovery, but it, was, it really benefited investors. Talk to me about your, your career, your profession, your mission as a leader in, in a wealth management space for probably the leading company um, in, the, in the nation, if not the world, in the space of wealth management. But the work you're doing to, to try to uh, help Black Americans in particular, Black people in particular, understand the importance of being invested, being an investor, not just a worker, um, yeah, being a business owner is important, but being invested is very, very important. Without question. And everything that you just said is part of the journey that we're on, because at the end of the day, Alfred, it's all about education. It's mm -hmm. all about education and providing the knowledge and the importance of making sure that the Black community understands how to invest, the importance of investing, the long-term ramifications of investing, and how to make sure that you stay invested through the cycles and through some of the volatility. If you have the ability to stay invested, you need to ensure that you do not have the knee-jerk reactions and, and making sure that you're pulling out your funds during some of the volatility in the cycle because that has implications. The other pieces of it is invest early. You're never too young to start investing. You realize that if you invest at the age of 25, versus the age of 35, that by the time you hit retirement, that person that invested at the age of 35 will have half as less as the person that invested at the age of 25, mm. just because of the compounding impact of the investing in the market and growth. And our job and my team is our focus is to make sure that we're providing that education and that knowledge. 
and you talk about the black community in specific, there is a significant disparity. When you look at some of the stats, retirement accounts, um, while whites generally, white families have 60% of white families have retirement accounts, and that is comparison to black families that have 34% have retirement accounts. There's other aspects of this that go even deeper when you think about the tax implications. You've got to understand about the tax implications that uh, happen when you are investing uh, and really trying to grow your wealth from a portfolio perspective, because it's not just about market performance. It's about how you were treating those tax implications and the accounts that you're leveraging. If you look at some of the FINRA data that recently came out, 20, 25% of Black families have investable accounts, and that's in comparison to 36 um, percent of white families that have taxable investment accounts. So just that knowledge, that education, I think it's so important for us to make sure that we're sharing that and having these discussions. When you think about, we talked earlier about these dinner table conversations, these are the conversations that we need to start to have as well around how do you build wealth, how do you preserve wealth, how do you grow wealth, and then we need to focus on that next evolution of generational wealth transfer as well. So you're hitting, you're hitting really at the heart of what I really want to focus on in this conversation, which is we're in a crisis and usually in a crisis, we start to focus more on short-term needs. We focus on survival when the ultimate goal is to thrive, but it's human nature when you feel threatened, whether that's economically, financially, health-wise, whatever, you tend to sacrifice the important for the urgent and the urgent has to be dealt with. Um, but one of the messages that we've been trying to communicate all year long at Black Enterprise to our audience is that you have to deal with the urgent, but you can't sacrifice the important. And what's important is multi-generational wealth, your hopes, your dreams, your plans, those long-term things that you may have had to maybe put on the back burner now because of job losses or other things, but it can't get lost. And, and investing is, to me, falls in that category. You talked about you, you have to continue to stay the course on your investing because of the long-term implications of disrupting that. I'm looking at my own 401k uh, through multiple crises, quote unquote, over the last, say, 15 years. And it has continued to rise despite that. There's short-term dips, but it continues to rise. So talk about your, your, your effort to educate people about um, not sacrificing the important to the urgent. Yeah, you know, I, I do want to hit on something you said. I think it's very important. Um, there are short-term needs that have to happen. And again, I don't want to undermine or underestimate the impact that the pandemic has had on so many families. There's been job loss. There has been illness, uh, unforeseen medical bills as a result of that. So you do have to make sure that you focus on ensuring that you take care of some of those medical bills. You reallocate your budget in terms of paychecks. If you are in a position where there is job loss, you've got to start thinking about how do I make sure I set aside several paychecks in the event that I may have job loss or in the event that my company may have to downsize? We should start thinking about that now before it actually happens. So you're reallocating your assets to, to build and provide a rainy day fund. So therefore you're better equipped to handle those unforeseen circumstances. And then when you do that, what you still want to do, you always want to have the mindset to keep the investment portfolio, your retirement, your 401k, I love that you brought that up. You still want to do whatever you can to make sure that that lasts. Too often people will go to the retirement funds and pull from that 
first because they figure they have a longer time horizon to achieve whatever objectives they may be. But when you do that, you're only hurting yourself because you're minimizing the compounding effect that you're gonna have over the lifetime. So what you wanna do is actually try and, and protect that retirement uh, allocation and those investment opportunities as best you can. And then try and restructure some of your near-term expenses to the best of your ability, again, barring anything that is significant like medical expenses that we talked about. Um, and that's the way we can really start setting ourselves up for success. And then getting back to the education piece of it, understand the rules of what your company may have to offer. Are you fully vested in your 401k match at your employer? Are you taking advantage of all the opportunities that your employer has that may benefit you from a long-term perspective. If you're on a higher end of the wealth spectrum, are you looking at deferred compensation tactics and different things where, again, you're focusing on not only wealth creation and investing, but you're looking at your taxable impact as well, depending on where you are in that spectrum. So you're really giving our audience a really good understanding of what wealth management really is. I mean, I think some people, you know, they just think, well, rich people get other rich people to handle their money. You know, and but you're talking about the kinds of planning and thinking and processing that anybody at any level can do, even if they're not necessarily ready to hire a quote unquote wealth manager. Talk, talk to me about what your recommendations are to um, families in general and investors in particular in the current environment. As you, like you say, you're juggling these priorities. You're trying to maintain your long term investing goals, but you also want to to maintain a, what I call a a mindset of wealth creation, even in difficult times. What, what, are, you, what are you seeing and what are you telling um, families and households that they should be focused on? Just like we mentioned earlier in the conversation, when I said you are never too young to start investing, there is also never a dollar amount that's too small to start investing. So when you think about all the vehicles and we at JP Morgan Chase have several of them, if you're not ready to have a full-time advisor that is giving you that service and there could be fees associated with that, we have online platforms that you can leverage and you can start to do some investing and really start understanding how the market works or there's savings and automated features that we can use where you can pull some funds from your direct deposit checking account and move them right into a savings account. So that way you can get into the habits of saving. Saving is a habit that we should be teaching our children. I could tell you right now at, at JP Morgan Chase, we have uh, a Chase First account and it is for all young adults and children and it teaches them how to save. It rewards you when you're doing well and you can go in there and, and modify the account and give them rewards if, uh, to their allowance if they're doing well. But in the same vein, uh, if you're not necessarily doing well, you can start to make modifications to restrict access to certain amounts of funds. We need to start teaching those behaviors, but using the tools that we have available. And a lot of this is digital. So we need to become digitally savvy and you can leverage much of this from the investment perspective as well, not only to learn, but also uh, to execute. And the best thing about it is our JP Morgan Chase branches are everywhere around the country. You can walk into any branch, you can have a conversation with a banker or an advisor, and they can help you. Remember, regardless of how much wealth you have today, or if you've been sophisticated in investing, have the conversation and we can help get you started on the right path. And regardless of what uh, bank you use, anyone, you should walk in and have that conversation as soon as possible. 
You know, you hit, you, you, you focus on something that's very, very important to me for my own personal experiences. Um, uh, you know, when, when I talk to people and even I had to have this conversation with myself, you know, 20 years ago, people say, I don't have money to invest. I don't have money to invest. But the beginning of having money to invest starts with saving. Like you, you start saving and suddenly then you start thinking about where can I put this money I've accumulated? So talk to me, you know, a little more. I mean, you emphasize it, but I really want to drive that point home that I tell people often your investment money is sitting in your closet. Your investment money is in the, the, the car that you bought that was probably a little bit bigger than you really needed. That, that if you can carve out five, 10% of every dollar you make and just put it to the side, as that grows, you'll start thinking about where can I put this money that's going to, and investing starts to happen. So, so talk some more about the, the real importance of making saving, literally not spending every penny that comes in so that you would eventually have money to invest, whether that's stocks, bonds, starting a business, whatever. That's where your investment capital comes from. Two things that you said that are extremely important. Saving is a fundamental behavior that we need to develop, and you're never too young to start having that mindset. I personally tell my children, and I have twin boys that are 10 years old and a baby girl that's five years old, and we already are having savings conversations at the dinner table. If I give you $10, you need to save half of it, and then the other half you can do with what you choose. But that saving mentality of not spending everything that you have and then wondering when you're going to get that next type of income always has to start early. You have to build those behaviors. And as you start to do that, again, your wealth starts to accumulate over time. Now, the second half of that, though, which is so important, is you want to make sure that you are earning and helping those uh, that wealth creation grow. So when you think about just putting cash in, to your point, the closet, the shoebox, under the mattress, that's not growing. That's not helping you continue to build wealth creation and then ultimately generational wealth transfer to your family and, and building a future in your legacy. So you've got to start to think about how can I make this money grow and work for me? And that's where the compounding and the investing really comes into play and working with a financial advisor to find a goals-based plan, whether it's for your retirement goals, it's for children's education, uh, it's for that wonderful vacation and, and family dream that you may have. Whatever those goals are, our financial advisors can help you achieve those, but you need to make sure that you are starting investing. People always talk about making your money work for you. Mm. Your money is not going to work for you in a shoebox or under the mattress. So you have to have these conversations. And that's why that knowledge is, is power. And it's so important. And it's never too early to start. Yeah, talk to me about um, helping people to set financial planning priorities. So you have your short-term needs, emergency fund, which may have to sit in a relatively low interest or low interest savings account because you got to get access to it quickly if you need it. But it's only there if you need it, not that you're, you know, mad money fund when you want to just go out and spend. But then there's mid-range goals and then there's long-term goals, including having a plan for transferring the wealth to you know, future generations, whether that's literally children or, or grandchildren, or whether it may be a cause or institution that you care about, but that the, that the wealth goes to where you want it to go um, after you um, finish your transition on, on this time on earth. Talk about the, the financial planning in terms of immediate goals and needs, mid, midterm goals and needs, and your long-term ultimate uh, multi-generational goals and needs. 
Absolutely. So the first thing everyone must realize is everyone's plan is an individualized plan. Everyone has a different plan and it all depends on where you are within your life cycle. There are a couple things that you have to think about. Remember, investing is not a short term thing. This is really a mindset when you're building goals based plans for a long duration. So depending on your age and your time horizon in terms of when you want to achieve your goals, whether it be retirement or education, whatever it may be, that's going to change the output of your plan, which is why it's so important that you build a relationship with your financial advisor so you can discuss exactly what your goals and objectives are. And then we can build a plan to allow you to try and get there. So many times people are focused on market performance in one year versus the next, but that's not going to get you to your ultimate long-term goal, which is why we talk about don't get caught up in, in, you know, one year return. What is your goal? And are you on track to get to those goals? And are you working with a professional or are you working with uh, your own individualized investments to allow you to get to that longer term goal? But the key things you always need to realize is what is your horizon? And then what's your risk tolerance, mm-hmm. right? Uh, many talk about as you are younger, you have longer time horizon. So you can be more aggressive in potential circumstances, depending on what your goals are. As you are coming closer to retirement, you may not want to be as aggressive and you're looking for different income strategies that you may want to leverage, but it all is individualized based on what your personal objectives are and working with your financial advisor to achieve those goals goals based objectives. The the word you're using over and over again, it's important to me and to our audience, is planning. And I always tell people when, you, when you're approaching, you're seeking financial help, financial professionals, planning comes before products. And so many times people have brought, oh, I got this insurance policy and I got this stock. Right. And, I'm gonna, and there's not, but it's not with a plan. Um, and, but the planning is what makes the investing effective. Um, and, that, that, and that's what you and, and, and your team, your, your whole division does. It's helped with a plan based on their hopes and dreams. So it's, they're not just buying a bunch of different products. Um, talk to me about what you're seeing and what you're advising specifically to entrepreneurs. You know, entrepreneurship is at the core of the black enterprise ethos. Um, building business is a major pathway to building black wealth, um, in, in the current generation and multi-generationally. What are you seeing black entrepreneurs go through in this environment? And what are you recommending that entrepreneurs focus on as we navigate through quote unquote, the age of COVID and beyond? Yeah, you know, listen, it is, uh, it's definitely um, a difficult time. There's no doubt about it from a business perspective, but we still want to make sure that we approach entrepreneurialism and focusing on your business with that mindset of it can be done, but you may have to make sure that you're looking at how you're structuring that business, diversification of the assets that you may be leveraging, the loans that you may be receiving to start your business. I always tell folks, particularly in this type of environment, find different ways to pay yourself first uh, because too many times people will get their own assets caught up in the business and then next thing you know, that business may not do well and their own personal assets start to be impacted. Um, So this is part of that planning process. When you think about an entrepreneur and a business, Uh, It's the same conversation that we've been having about individual wealth creation and building a plan and what your goals are. You should work with a financial advisor to talk about how you can structure your 
um, endeavor, whatever that may be, whatever business that you're interested in, and talk about how can we open up this business and what type of corporation or LLC should I use or what are some of the tax implications if I set up uh, my business in a certain way? And then what are the long-term impacts of how I should grow this business and how much of my own personal funding do I have the capacity to be able to leverage? And we have to be cautious in these times because you understand the environment uh, and, and consumer behaviors and particularly in this, this pandemic that we're unfortunately still in, but you need someone and you should get someone to be along that journey with you to give you advice and guidance and counsel from what not only they are seeing, but remember JP Morgan Chase with the thought leadership that we have, we have access to many different strategies and many different uh, experiences that we can share with our clients uh, each and every day. So I think that's why it's so important to leverage the resources that you have. There's no need to recreate the wheel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you said something that I thought was wonderful, you know, products, Many companies have different products and products is not the answer. Products is just, you know, a part of the puzzle that fits into the plan that you and your advisor develop together. Once you develop that plan, then you start to find pieces of that puzzle that will help you achieve that goal. But you have to have the end in mind. You need to know where you're going before you can build that puzzle correctly. You know, I'm sure because of what you do for a living, you know, you always get the person that says, what stock should I buy now? Or like, what, and you have to explain, well, I can't, I don't know what your life is about, what, <laughs> what else is in your portfolio. It's not about finding that magic stock or that magic investment vehicle. Um, without the plan, but without the goals, they can't be a plan. And without the plan, you don't know what to buy or, or what not to buy or what to sell. Um, and, and you're right, when people don't have a plan, that's when they do panic sell because they're, they're not really focused on the plan. They're just, oh my God, the stock is going down or the market's not doing well, I need to dump. Um, in the remaining minutes we have, um, and I can talk to you for another hour, <laughs> but in the remaining minutes we have, tell me your thoughts in general about kind of uh, what we can do in this time. This is a, a, a unique time in the, in, the, in the history of our nation, a unique time in the black community for everything we've seen in, in this year to talk about, we, we've been almost forced to pause and reset to talk about, in this case, what it means to advance, to progress. Um, you have the Advancing Black Pathways program at, at, at Chase. Uh, it, that's really about how do we move the needle forward to make a more equitable society. And in this case, to, to close the black wealth gap, to close the black entrepreneurship gap. What, what are your thoughts about what we can do? Not just what you can do, but what we all can do to advance that agenda during this, this really unique time in our history. The first thing I will tell you is we have to keep the conversation going. So the dialogue that we're having today, uh, the platforms that we have right now, leveraging these video conferences, and we've got to keep the conversation going. So even after the pandemic ends, and in an odd way, the pandemic has given us much more visibility and time to have these conversations and the ability to focus on everything that's happening with the social unrest and obviously the racial gap and the divide, particularly from a wealth perspective. J.P. Morgan Chase, we just announced a $30 billion initiative where we are going to try and advance the racial equity across uh, the, the divide that we have today. But it's not just one company, it's everyone's voice making an impact. And I think that we have to make sure that we are always having this conversation because the time is now. 
people are listening. Change can happen and we can't get caught up in the routine of, okay, now once things get back to normal or the spring hits or the summer hits and people get back into their normal routines that the conversation stops. We have to leverage this opportunity to drive forward and get more voices at the table, having the discussion in aggregate. The one thing that I've always noticed is I think a lot of people were doing good things individually, but there's nothing stronger than when the collective starts to get together and move the needle with a powerful voice. And I'll give you one perfect example, not even in the financial industry. When you saw all of the sports teams come together after the Jacob Blake incident and literally shut down an industry, right? Mm -hmm. No games were played across an entire sports sector. That creates real change. It wasn't just one team. It wasn't just one sport, but it was athletics in general. And I think that's where we have to come together and start to make sure that we are making change in aggregate because it's the right thing to do for our country, right thing to do for the world, but we have to make sure that we're bringing people along with us. And it's not about who gets credit for what idea, it's just about doing what's right. Um, and we have the platform, the voice, and the time to really try and drive that change right now. Well, the other thing I wanna hit on in terms of your, of your, your influence with, within um, Chase, with other black executives and, and the executive group that you're, that you're co-chair of, and I've heard this from other executives, both at Chase and outside of Chase during the past year, is that the window of being able to have these conversations with non-Black people inside the company. Like we've always had these conversations amongst ourselves for better or for worse, but for the first time in a long time, we can, you know, whether it's Jamie Dimon on down, everybody feels freed up because so often our non-Black colleagues feel like, well, I don't, I don't know if I really, I don't want to engage because I don't know if it's safe. For the first time in a long time, you can have conversations with others in the organization from all kinds of, of, of backgrounds to say, let's, let's talk about this collectively um, for the betterment of the company, for the betterment of our customers, for the betterment of the nation. And that's a unique window that I, that I think um, you're taking advantage of in your leadership role. Talk about what that's been you know, like the case. Yeah, listen, you're absolutely right. There's no doubt about it. Everyone is listening and we have an opportunity to absolutely share our voice and make change at this particular time. And we need to continue to drive that forward. One of the things I will tell you is we have several conversations across our organization at the most senior levels where we are really sharing the platform and talking about the opportunity. But what you said is so important and it can't always be uh, the black person or the person who has the burden who is sharing that story. We need others to start to share that story, the non-minority groups to start to share that story. But the good thing is now people are listening, they're learning, and they are taking the mantle and they are sharing their stories and they're learning and they're trying to figure out how to ways to make systemic change, right? Not just have a conversation, right. but how can we actually make change? And that is how things like the $30 billion initiative that I mentioned came about and the fact that we continue to look for talent uh, in the black community. And we've seen significant growth in our executive levels at JP Morgan Chase because there is such a, uh, a feeling of needing to make change. Now's the time to do it. Uh, and the voice is there and people are listening, but we have to keep that going. And the best part about it, the other thing I would say, Alfred, is 
we have to make sure that we're spread across all industries. There are those predominantly uh, not uh, white industries, non-diverse industries. How do we start spreading the talent, spreading the messaging and communicating within all of those industries? We're doing that in a company. We need to do that in the society as well because that's where we can make that scalable change on a long-term basis. Listen, man, Barry, that's a perfect note to end this conversation. Thank you so much for just taking the time. I know with everything you got going on, um, you, you, it was, a, it was a, a real commitment for you to do this conversation with us. Um, thank you for just being um, our featured guest on Chasing Success today. My pleasure. Thank you. And I'm Alfred Edmund Jr., SVP at Black Enterprise. Thanks for joining us.